You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. All right, so how's everybody doing tonight? That was, that was pretty sad. How is everybody? Okay, still not good. Okay, all right. This is a downer. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're not woo? You're not woo? You strike me as a woo girl, though. This isn't the roast. I'm sorry. All right, so, well, welcome, everybody, to Revive. For those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the leaders here at Young Adults, and I'm super happy to be here tonight um, and to be bringing the word with you guys. Um, so, uh, as... Those of you who have been around uh, for the last couple weeks know we've been going through a series called Wisdom, and tonight I get the honor of wrapping that series up for us. Um, So, sorry, give me one second here. I had to find my spot. All right, there we are. Um, There we go. Okay, so where we are going to be starting in the Word tonight is going to be Proverbs 1. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, go ahead and pull that out, and that is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, While you guys are turning, uh, I want to give us a little bit of context as to the book of Proverbs. So the book of Proverbs, as Josh Shack, not coffee, not coffee, Josh Shack. He mentioned a couple weeks ago, I don't remember if it was last week or not, um, the book of Proverbs was written by none other than King Solomon. Um, And if we remember, King Solomon was gifted by God with tremendous wisdom, and as an outflowing of that wisdom, was blessed with immense wealth and political power in his day and age. Um, So the theme of the book itself... I'm just going to read this from my study Bible. It says, the goal of the book is stated right in the beginning, chapter 1, one through, verse 1 through 7, to describe what wisdom is and to help God's people become wise. Wisdom is founded in the fear of the Lord, and it enables believers to express their faith in, a practical detail, in the practical details of everyday life. Uh, So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and just dive right in to chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 to start us off. So Proverbs 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I just need to pray real quick. So, Father, thank you for this evening and the honor and blessing that it is uh, that we get to gather Uh, with a fellowship of like-minded believers, and to hear a message and uh, to dig into your word. Lord, I pray that you would open our minds and ears uh, to see and hear the message that you want to teach us tonight, 
and that your words and will would be the only thing that come out of my mouth this evening. We praise you and thank you for all that you have done and are continuing to do in our lives. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there are a few things that stick out to me in these first few verses um, and the the section that we just read. Uh, First, obviously, we're told who the author is. And in verse 2 through 6, it outlines his reason for writing in his own words. Uh, So I want to read that again. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the wise of or the words of the wise and their riddles. And then it moves on to this final verse, chapter or verse seven in this section header that says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, and fools despise wisdom and instruction." What does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? I've heard this saying, you got to fear the Lord, have the fear of the Lord in your heart. It's thrown around church so much over my lifetime. But it seems that many times it was just read aloud and brushed over with a, yeah, you got to do that in your life without any explanation as to what it means. Uh, So a little kind of life application or thing I can go back to in my life to to try to exemplify that was, uh, I'd say, when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I'm going to give a little story, if you don't mind. When I was 11 or 12 years old, I was given by a friend this airsoft pistol. Why they have the name soft in the name, I don't understand. Have any of you been hit with an airsoft pistol? You shot him? No? Ooh, ouch. Anyway, I don't know why it's called airsoft because it's not soft at all. Point being, so I was given this airsoft pistol, and my older brother, who I looked up to a lot, had this novel idea to, in our bedroom, set up little Lego minifigures and action figures on our dresser inside the house for target practice, okay? Nice, yeah. Yeah, growing up in a big family, that's... You're, you're bound to get in trouble. Anyway, so we had this set up. Oh, mind you, the dresser is right here. Our window into our backyard is right behind it, okay? You guys already are groaning, I know. Anyway, so we have this set up, this whole setup. okay? He's like, come on, we're going to go ahead and we got to do practice. We got to target practice. We're going to be sharpshooters by the time we get with, together to play BBs with everybody else. I'm like, okay, dumb little kid, let's do it. From like five or six feet away, we're like standing back and we're missing every single target. And we're like shooting and shooting. There's like 10, 12. And immediately behind this target zone is our window with our little plastic vinyl blinds. So by the time we are done shooting, this thing is peppered with pellet holes in our blinds through, in, our, in our room. And of course, we had the door closed, and so we're being mischievous. My mom bursts through the room, the door, and we're like, oh, it's about to go down. 
and we hear the dreaded words, just wait till your father comes home. Anybody else understand that feeling? You got, dude, that struck me to my core (laughs) because that phrase, just wait till your father comes home. You, you already know. I felt this deep, deep resonated, humble and reverent fear for my dad coming home and what that would meant. A fear for the consequences that I knew I deserved. That is just a taste of what we're supposed to feel with the phrase, the fear of the Lord. A deep, genuine, and humble, reverent fear. I have heard so many pastors just brush over that discussion to get the happy, loving, self-sacrificing side of Jesus, side of God. But it is by his grace that we are justly satisfied. Sorry, get back here. Sorry, it is such a disservice to focus solely on the loving and self-sacrificing side of God without acknowledging or even thinking about or recognizing the wrathful and just side. Josh talked about this last week. God is holy and righteous and as such cannot be unified with sinfulness or unrighteousness because they go in direct opposition to him and his character. We, because of our own sin, have become and lived in direct opposition to him. That's why we should have fear. We should be quaking in our boots because we are on the opposing side of God, the creator of the universe. But that's obviously not where it ends. By his grace, he justly satisfied his own wrath for us by sending Jesus, and we know the rest. But if we don't have that understanding of the fear of the Lord and why it's saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and of wisdom, we can't go anywhere, from, uh, anywhere else from there until we have that foundation and understand it. And I think we do. So if we do not understand our own deep separation from God, we cannot appreciate the reconciliation and restoration he provides. And that is what makes his love and mercy so much sweeter. Amen? Amen. All right. So before we go, move on to the next section of scripture, um, in case you didn't know, we are going to be reading through all of Proverbs 1. So I'm just jumping through. Uh, Before we do move on, I do want to point out in the last half of uh, verse 7, there's a beautiful juxtaposition or compare and contrast that Solomon uses where he says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This compare and contrast is a tool that Solomon uses throughout all of Proverbs and that we'll catch up on or, or pick up on throughout the rest of this chapter that just emphasizes his point to kind of bring and highlight what he's trying to get at and what he wants you to take away by showing both sides of the spectrum, okay? So this next section is verses 8 through 19, 
and it's titled "In the Enticement of Sinners." Um, in other versions, it's uh, called "A Father's Invitation to Wisdom." So let's go ahead and read that. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall find our houses with plunder. Fill our houses with plunder, excuse me. Throw in your lot amongst us. We will have one purse. My son, do not in the w- walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessor. So clearly this one has a lot going on here. Jeez, would you calm down? Sorry. Um, but I do want to move on to some, some later verses. So what we're going to do is the ESPN highlights version of these verses. Uh, basically what it is saying, remain true to the, or remain living in the truth of verse 7. Know that there are people who will try to lead you astray and don't fall for it. And don't let yourself be peer pressured into becoming like them because it ultimately leads to death. Uh, You may have heard your grandma or mother or Margarita say, I'm sorry, (laughs) say the phrase, (laughs) that was a low blow, I'm sorry. You may have heard this sentence you know, bad company corrupts good morals. But did you know that was ac- that's actually in scripture? Anybody? Yes, you did. Okay. Overachiever. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15.33, actually says that, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. And even though he's not directly referencing Proverbs verse one, or chapter 1, I believe that is the perfect summation of this section of scripture. You are who you hang out with. Bad company ruins good morals. So that is the snippet, long to short, of this passage. So I do want to just move on to the very fi- this last section of verse, or chapter 1. I am stumbling. I am so sorry. Um, so, verses 20 through 33. This section is titled, The Call of Wisdom. And um, if you pay attention, there is going to be a huge example of this, the juxtaposition or the compare and contrast that I was telling you about earlier in this section. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she calls out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? 
If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes in like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That's, dang. I want to focus on verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. I will pour out my spirit to you. It's no coincidence that, the whole, the, the, that wisdom is personified in this passage. In this verse in particular, we see a promise of an outpouring of the spirit of wisdom. In Ephesians 1, 16 through 17, Paul says this. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of, knowledge, of the knowledge of him. Paul recognizes the Holy Spirit as the, quote, spirit of wisdom. So this passage directly correlates, is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. Directly correlates to, again, Paul's letter to the Ephesians here, that the spirit and the spirit of wisdom are the same, are one and the same. Uh, when we were in, at Hume this, this last year, or earlier in March, April, whenever it was this year, uh, I was in the bookstore, and I found, or Ethan actually found this book. Uh, it's called Experiencing the Trinity, and he pointed it out to me. And I decided to buy it because it uh, is a really, really good devotional. Um, it's by Joe Thorne, and I'm, if I'm being honest, I had never heard of Joe Thorne before buying this book. But I did read through it, and I found it to be really enlightening. And basically what he does is he pulls all the characteristics and attributes of God, the Godhead itself, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three, and in different sections of the book, lists and gives a, a daily devotion on each of those aspects of or, or attributes. And I want to read for us chapter 46, which is in the, the Holy Spirit section. Go figure. And it's titled, He Gives Wisdom. And uh, I did not plan this, but this chapter is actually 
the, the, the verse that inspired this chapter is actually Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, which was the one I just read. Um, so that's neat. <laughs> but I'm just going to go ahead and read this real quick because I think it's very helpful for this discussion. Memorizing scripture and knowing theology doesn't make you wise. Having knowledge is no guarantee that you will live in accordance with it. Knowledge is easy and gained through human effort, but wisdom is a gift that must be given by God. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom because he grants to his people a deeper experiential and practical understanding of God's word and the riches of the gospel. Of all there is to know in the world, and of all the mysteries and complexities of life, the knowledge of God and his ways are the most critical. This is where you need wisdom. When you are wise in the word, you are most fit for walking in the world. The wisdom of the Spirit of God gives, uh, the, sorry, the wisdom the Spirit of God produces, or gives, produces peace, humility, teachability, sincerity, and good works. True wisdom is not mere knowledge that informs, but the application of truth that transforms. But the impartation of wisdom is not an automatic work of the Spirit in every believer's life. It does not just happen. The wisdom you lack is often absent because you do not seek it. You are not asking for it. And when you do not ask for it, you, are often, you often expect it to be delivered apart from the normal means of God's operation. The Spirit will give you understanding, but it will come as you seek it in God's word, plead for it in prayer, and are willing to receive it from brothers and sisters in Christ who speak the truth. The wisdom you need, the wisdom the Spirit provides, is rooted in Jesus Christ. Scripture says that he is our wisdom from God. You know where it is to be found and who will provide it. Will you now seek it? Will you now seek it? We know where to find it. God has given us everything that we need for life and holiness in him. Josh said in one of his previous messages, the one prayer that God will always say yes to is a prayer for more wisdom. Do you guys remember him saying that? I'm going to take it one deeper. The one prayer that God will always say yes to is a prayer for a renewed outpouring of his spirit in your life. As followers of Christ, we have already received access to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we acknowledge and accept Christ as Lord in our lives. But the daily act of sanctification and of dying to ourselves, picking up our cross and following after him requires a daily renewal of the Spirit to strengthen us to do so. So I'm going to end with this. If you have not been seeking him, start today. One reason I spoke on Proverbs 1 today uh, is because Proverbs has 31 chapters. August has 31 days. A practical challenge 
is to read a chapter of Proverbs every day for the month. So that is my challenge to you. Read a single chapter, the chapter of the day, is literally what it's called, of Proverbs for the remainder of the month. Create the habit. Studies have shown that it takes 40 days to create the neurological pathways to form a habit. Start here. And while you're doing so, ask for the Lord to renew the spirit of wisdom in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I pray that we would come before you in humility and with reverence and respect, the respect that you deserve. But that we would also recognize and accept the love, mercy, and grace that you have freely given to us and the victory over sin and death that you have provided. And I pray that we would live in that freedom. Lord, we ask that you would give us a renewed outpouring of your spirit to continue pursuing becoming more like you every day and that you would help us to seek wisdom through your word. I thank you again for the blessing of fellowship that you've given us and that we have the freedom to do so and gather. May we honor you in all that we say and do for the remainder of our time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.